Hey, YouTube, what's going on? Welcome to the podcast powered by StreamYard. This is Benagio. Thank you for joining us. We are live on all three platforms. We have our YouTube, Instagram, and StreamYard. So definitely, definitely want to say what up and shout out to StreamYard for holding us down for more than 12 months, keeping us crispy. So thank you so much for having us. Now, today's a special day. We have another, uh, another special guest today. And our guest today is The Mind Investor. Um, we've had a series for the last two weeks uh, regarding fatherhood. And who better to bring up on this on this platform than someone who is a father of five? Um, I think that this is going to be a great episode for those who have not uh, been a part of these fatherhood episodes. Definitely, definitely tap in. Um, you can take a look at the previous ones that we've done so you can see kind of the, the, the nature of the conversation. Again, it's about normalizing content around Black fatherhood because you don't see enough of that. Um, I'm a recent Black father, so it's not like I've been doing this for a long time. I'm pretty new. But again, that's the journey of fatherhood and motherhood. You know, not everyone starts off as a mom, but then they become one and then they own it. Not everyone's a dad, but they become one and then they own it. So uh, without further ado, let me pull up our guest today. Let me see if he's here. He's here. All right, one second. Let me let me pull him up. Uh, add, add, add. Boom. Invite. Okay. So he should be coming on board right now. Hopefully my stuff is loud enough so you can hear him. All right. My man. Love the facial expressions. Can you hear me, Q? Yeah, I'm trying to see. Is it clear? It's clear. I can it's... hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. My mic is boomed right at the right at the it's right clear. at the phone. So right, we good, good, man. We are good, good, good. So. Oh, I need this light. I had to escape to get on this. Oh, no worries. Hey, listen. I know. I know the way this system works, man. You gotta. You gotta be ready for everything. You're. You're. You're a father of five, my friend. Like I said, you got to be prepared for all variables. <laughs> so my guy. So everybody uh, on the line, and if you guys are on YouTube and following us uh, on the line, is one of my brothers from another mother. His name is Quentin Mezzetin. He is a entrepreneur, investor, brother, family member. You could just name all the things, and he is one of them when it comes to him and I. Uh, but this is another another industrious black man, I'm going to say African-American man, black man that is doing big things and is also a father. Um, so Q, we've been kind of talking about this fatherhood series and just doing this up real big over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we had the Hackman on uh, prior and uh, he, had, he had some gems to drop because he's a new father as well. And uh, now we have you. So I feel like this is going to be just a really amazing conversation because I know there's a lot of parts of fatherhood that you have experienced that I haven't even seen yet. You know what I mean? So um, I guess we can start the, <laughs> we can start the conversation with a little bit about you. I actually have your profile up on um, your LinkedIn profile up on the YouTube stream. So for folks who are actually watching this, they can actually see your LinkedIn. So I don't know. Why don't you introduce yourself? I, I can introduce you, but I mean, it's not going to, you know, I, you can do a better job at that than I can because I don't know what you'd say. So introduce <laughs> yourself to the people that don't know you. Um, that is true. Oh, man. That is Different days is different introductions. Well, name is Quentin Mezzetin. Happily married for about 20 years. And together, my wife and I have five children. And, um, oh, man. And since then, I'm just, you know, a mentor, motivator, and also investor. 
and I have um, also founded a business, I Am Dad, which is a very, very big passion of mine that I just invented this year. I just created to help other parents with children with autism. So um, I'm looking forward to really, really blow that up this year because our community needs that. And that has been like one of my main focuses, like just moving forward. But um, but yeah, I would just ask me anything, but that I feel like that has taken up most of my time mm-hmm. and energy because of that impact that it's gonna make in the world. And um, I, I'm really excited about that. Well, I, on your profile on LinkedIn, I'm gonna be one of those people today. On your LinkedIn profile, it says, Quentin Mizzleton, <laughs> the mind investor, right? Alias, mind investor, is a motivational speaker and financial strategist. He is the founder of I Am Dad, providing strategic solutions to parents raising their children with autism and empowers parents with tools and support they can use to fight for their children's independence. The fight is real for Quentin as he grew up with his quote in mind, you don't get what you want in life, you get from life what you are. Ooh, see, see, this is why I'm like, I, I, if I, if I'm just gonna read your profile because clearly <laughs> it, it speaks to the, the to the level that you're at. I mean, you know, one of the things that really surprised me when I met you was that I had known your brother for I don't know maybe six seven years, and I'd never really met you, but I've met your family, and you guys look similar. You guys are very the, the genes are very strong for the Mezzotin boys. They're, they all look like family. Um, so when I met you like recently, which was like uh, um, with, um, you know, Nalika's uh, podcast, ever since then we've connected. And I feel like the reason why we've connected so easily is because of just this, like who you are, what you are about. Like you have a lot of the qualities that I admire in men. Like the men that I admire, that I look up to, they have to have these qualities for me to admire them, right? Just being about something that's bigger than themselves, being about, you know, helping, the underprivileged and the underserved, being about something that is greater than just the small little crumbs that, that society wants to give us as black men. It's like, no, they're striving to create an entire table for, for everyone, not just black people, but all people involved. Like that type of person is someone that I align with just, you know, vibrationally. So when I met you, I was like, damn, I'm gonna know this brother for a long time because he's a man of my heart, like for real, for real. So brother, like I am just excited to even know you and the journey that we're on right now, like, you know, just this 2021, it's been a lot, man. Like what, before we get into- It's mutual, man. It's mutual. It's not too many times I get to find, it's a few of us. It's a few of us married black couples that we get to like really grow and share what's working and you know really be like-minded like we are mm-hmm. so I, I value what we have this brotherhood means a lot to me and even your marriage my wife like loves your wife like, like <laughs> you guys are family like you know it's not just you know it's not just us our families blend very well together and i look forward to all the things we're going to accomplish together listen like, man this is just the beginning just the beginning of an amazing journey. And it's just, I'm glad that 2021 had that. Cause I want to show you guys something like in my background, right? We have, I have some plants back there. I've got, you know, I've got this one, right? That's a little, you know, snake plant. I got this one, which is like something that my wife bought. That's another one that my wife bought. And then over there, I've got the aloe. And then there's like a big old plant on the side over there that's dying. It's like a palm plant, right? It's a perfect example of what 2021 was to me. Like 2021 was a time to accumulate things that were new that could bring vibrational goodness to your life, right? 
And it's also a time to check and see what's not blooming and say, maybe that's not going to make it with me to 2022, right? It's perfect. Like, this is a perfect example back here of like all of the things back here, not everything's going to make it with me to 2022. Why? Because it shouldn't. I feel like we all have to take that small lesson in life where 2021 was such, it, it was so much, but it was also a really good opportunity to stop and ask yourself, do I need to bring these things with me? Whether they're ideas, individuals, work situations, health from the, from, you know, what do I want to bring into 2022? Because this is the time now. We're not going to see you guys until 2022 is actually here. So this is literally the last time we're going to talk to you in 2021. Think about what that means, right? Like, like Q, what does that mean for you? Like knowing that this is the last live conversation that we're going to have with our people in 2021. What would you want them to take away from this tumultuous year that could have been good or bad, depending on the experience for 2021 before we get into the conversation? Man, I've been telling a couple people, my family, including myself, we still got a whole lot of 2021 left. <laughs> so, some people are already in 2022, and I'm like, are you negating how many days we have left? Mm. These are like, we have so much time left to read a book, to learn something new, mm -hmm. to start something that we could continue. Mm -hmm. So I'm not letting the holidays distract me where it's just going to be like, oh, let's put our feet up. No. Okay. People are still working. People are still learning, growing, investing, and every day matters. So there's a lot of 2021 left. Do not even, I'm not even, I have thoughts of 2022. I do have mm -hmm. plans, investments, blah, blah, blah. Right. However, I'm still maximizing 2021. There's <laughs> a lot to do after this call. There's a lot to do tomorrow mm -hmm. and everything going into New Year's. So I was like, that's what I would say. Do not run away from 2021. It is not done. There's a lot more left for you to start something and finish something. I love that. See, Quentin is a man of my heart. And I must honestly say, like, I'm ready for 2021 to be done. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> I, I have had so many amazing experiences in 2020. I just want to lock them in. You know what I mean? It's sort of like when you have a bunch of investments that are doing well, and then you got to sell some just to lock in those gains. Like, I feel like I want to lock in my 2021 gains right now, because I don't want nothing else to jack up the gains that I've seen. Like, I was listening to an episode from a year ago, didn't have a roadcaster, didn't have a mic, didn't have the set, didn't have nothing. Just me with my cell phone like this. Hi guys, welcome to Wealth Wednesday. How's everyone doing? Trying to regulate my voice. Like I don't even have like the ability to move volumes up and down. And then I look at my now, like right now and I'm like, dang, like we're streaming, we're, we're multi-platforming, we're doing all these things. We've got the financial literacy course. We've got you with I Am Dad as our guest. We're talking about fatherhood. I'm like, Look at where we've come, you know, in 12 months. And it's like, I am super excited for what 2022 has to offer because I feel like if this was the beginning, if this was the beginning of the warm-up, like, whoa, 2022 is about to be lit. And I don't care what virus variant we're on at that point. I do not care. That's the least of my concerns. Like, there's so much work to be done. Like, even think of I Am Dad. Like, I want my I Am Dad t-shirt, right, so that I can go to the gym. Yes. Work out with my I Am Dad t-shirt on. Like, I want to walk around with that because I feel like that mission is so important, especially with how society is, is failing our kids when it comes to their health and nutrition. Like, literally, society's not even talking about that. So I guess we'll go into our fatherhood off of that. We'll, we'll piggyback off of that. So why did you even start I Am Dad? And what about your fathering or your fatherhood experience led you to beginning that mission? trying to help other fathers and, and parents in general who have kids with autism? 
Wow. I know. That's a lot. Go so ahead. Take I your time. Dead. Go ahead. <laughs> mm, can you hear me still good? Perfectly. Can you hear me? Perfectly. All right. So I Am Dead started when one of my friends pointed out, like, I do a lot of personal development and I was noticing that I was going after certain goals. Mm -hmm. And then I kept seeing that I would not reach certain goals. And I wanted to know why I'm like, I'm doing everything I should do the mindset, the motivation, the work, but I was not reaching my goals. And I noticed when I started looking at my journal that it lined up so closely to things happening in my life where it was just like having children. <laughs> so it's like, um, having children is a blessing, but it's also an overwhelming surprise if you do not have the right tools and the right support and knowing how to handle those adjustments. Right. So I noticed that I couldn't handle it and I would see those, um, I would see the lack in my performance. Mm. So I started to realize that, okay, I need to do something. And then once I started to be aware of it and address it, then things started working out. And this is years later. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden, my last two children being diagnosed with autism, becoming nonverbal, right. having um, tantrums, all these different behavioral problems, it was in cognitive delays it put me in a place where I was just lost. I was like, you know, uh, semi-embarrassed because I was just like, my kids weren't responding like other kids. Uh, I thought it was something that I did that I didn't do. And I didn't know like where to turn, what to do. And the doctors were just telling me there's nothing I can do. This is just what it is. Right. And I just didn't want to accept that, right. even though I knew that, you know, they're the professionals and maybe I should accept that, but how much is my life going to suck if I can't even like do anything because of the limitations that were put on my children. Mm -hmm. And I realized it also put limitations on me. Mm -hmm. So what I started realizing was I'm going to do research to just challenge everybody from therapists, doctors, teachers that told me that, there was nothing I can do. My children will never become independent. They will never talk. They will never read. They will never comprehend normal things. And I was just like, you know what? I just don't want to accept that. So all I needed was one successful story. And when I found this one successful story, I just dropped everything. And I just said, I'm going to just start working to like not, um, not give up on my children. And like what I say, I'm going to run my own race. I'm not competing with anybody else, but I'm going to find these results for my children. I mm -hmm. want to hear their voice. I want to see them grow. I want them to become independent so my wife and I can have a life by the time these kids get out of the house. Like, I don't want to have the kids in the house all the time. Um, so that started my journey of a couple of years, just researching, researching, researching. And then as I started to get results from my children, started to get their voice back, started to get their comprehension back, mm -hmm. started to get these solutions and implement all these strategies, right. I still kept it to myself. I was just, mm. this was just my wife and I, I have best friends that never knew about the obstacles and challenges we were going through because we kept it to ourselves. Right. And then I made one post when my son graduated pre-K and the feedback that I got 
I, which I didn't know was so many people have been affected the same way mm-hmm. and they're living in quiet desperation. And then when I did research in other realms, I realized that so many people are not even getting diagnosed. And that was leading to why I didn't get diagnosed and mm-hmm. what strategies I had to do to force the diagnosis. Right. And then I noticed that so many people started to give up and they just gave up. And I'm just like, wait a minute. Like, no, we can't like can't give up, the man. world has taught people to give up. And, and I'm just like, and I, I love those communities, Autism Awareness, Autism Speaks, because they're great communities. Right. However, those weren't giving me what I needed, which were strategic solutions. Now, I want mm-hmm. my kids to talk. I don't want to hold hands and sing Kumbaya and just accept autism. Right. A lot of people accept autism. I don't, I don't accept it. I just don't accept it as a limitation that was... I'm being told it was mm-hmm. autism is just an obstacle that you can um, you can overcome. But if you accept it, then you're never going to overcome it. And you're just going to accept that your children are going to be dependent on you for the rest of your life. And I just couldn't accept that. Right. And my wife, too. Like we just that's just not us. So I am dad started because when I realized that there are so many people directly affected in my community worldwide that have accepted this and just like put these low expectations on their kids, I just had to do something about it. So mm-hmm. I am dad, I'm defeating autism daily. It's empowering parents with the tools they need to fight for their children's independence. It's just, we can do something. The statistics for the last 20 years have increased 180% when it comes to children being diagnosed with autism. They just posted where it was one in 54 this year. They just posted it three weeks ago it just changed to one in 44 children. Now so for the this. last 20 years that it's mm-hmm. been documented, whatever we've been doing has not been working. It's getting worse. Right. So anything we do solution-based is a good idea. Right. And that's why I kind of separated myself where it's just like I'm helping people with solutions. And it's defeating autism daily because you've got to be consistent. you got to be focused. And you also, you got to move your finish line. So the expectations on normal children to talk, to walk, to be potty trained, to learn certain things, it's very young, which is understandable. But one thing I had to do that really helped me was I moved the post. I moved the goalpost Mm. where if my son doesn't get this until eight, I'm okay with that. Exactly. As long as he gets Mm -hmm. it. And that help me. So he got it before eight. So I was like, yes, <laughs> using the toilet. <laughs> using the toilet. Right. Oh my gosh. That was, I did a post about that because they're both fully toilet trained. And that was a, that was a big accomplishment for us because mm-hmm. it wasn't about being toilet trained. It was about the whole aspect of being able to take off your clothes, use the toilet and put it back on. Mm-hmm. So I could like, they were toilet trained with running around naked that's not that's not the same know, not cool yeah. <laughs> so it's like i need you to to pull down your pants use the bathroom clean yourself and then you know once we did that for a week so we knew it wasn't luck mm-hmm. then i was like this is a success right. no more pull-ups screw huggies yeah <laughs> screw no more <laughs> cancel 20 that's something that's not making it 2022 with you 2020 that's not coming. yeah yep, i'm not buying no more pull-ups yeah and it was <laughs> It was definitely, and that's what it was, but it was like, this has been challenging. So when it comes to my 
daughters and my other son, we have five children, I noticed the impact that was happening on them with their brothers having these delays, having these behavioral differences, where this year they're actually going to start outside of us seeing somebody else just to have another conversation with somebody. Because when I started talking to adults who had siblings that were on the spectrum, they have a lot of resentment they um towards the parents because they felt that they didn't get enough attention they couldn't do stuff and i was just like this is something that affects people mm-hmm. that no one talks about they just eat it so the community that i've created i'm dad we also have people that will be coming in directly focused on siblings of children with autism mm. and parents because you Everybody is going through this trauma in different ways. Right. It was affecting my goals and dreams and my performance before I addressed it so I can target it differently. And I can't imagine how many other parents are not going after what they really want because of the pull and the stress that, you know, over the challenges are bringing. So now bringing being aware of it, we mm-hmm. can address it and we can fight it and having people there to kind of you know push that is going to be an impact because i still want people to achieve their goals and dreams like Mm -hmm. we should learn new things and coming together with solutions i feel every child has a voice so i really i don't accept nonverbal. that's really big in this community but my kids were nonverbal for two years and i kept on acting like they wasn't and i spoke to them and i invested in them in their brain development in their speech music therapy speech therapy everything and now they won't shut up. And <laughs> I just feel that <laughs> it's, it's, I had to leave because they would not, like, oh, if I was in that's... the house, they'd be like, Sir, they'd be in the, they'd be on this being live right now. They'd be like, Hey, dad, dad, dad. Yeah. Yo. Yeah, so to... they, they're very bad. <laughs> you, you mentioned something that I want to just jump on real quick. So today, so for all the years, I celebrate Kwanzaa, uh, first year doing it. And today's principle is Ujama which means cooperative economics. It's the foundation of what we've seen brought to life on social media with the popularity of bank, bank black, buy black, shop black, movement, whatever have you. It's just interesting to know that you are creating an opportunity for not just, because again, you're, it's a, you're creating a company, literally. You can literally become an employer, hiring folks out of the community, being able to support families, parents of kids and, and, and kids with autism. Like, that entire industry is kind of wide open because people aren't really realizing these numbers. I have this posted right now on the YouTube stream. So if you guys aren't following us, as Brother Quentin was talking, I literally looked up the CDC autism numbers. And as you were saying it, I had the screen up. So think, look at this, right? In 2000, the prevalence of autism out of 1,000 was 1 in 150, right? In, 20, in 2004, it was 1 in 125. 2006 was one in 10, which is basically saying that the percentage of of kids with autism is growing exponentially, right? You mentioned the number one in 44, which was just posted, but it literally went from one in 150 to one in 44 having a child in the autism spectrum. How is that possible? If not environmental, societal, there is something happening that is different between 2000 and right now that is causing these numbers to increase. And we can't go into what the scientists, scientists like the scientists are saying about autism and why it's prevalent, but just looking at our, 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 our natural environments and the fact that there's so many more pollutants and toxins in the food, 
you know, you know, high fructose corn syrup is now a sweetener that everyone thinks is great, but it's horrible for your body. You have preservatives and everything. There's a, but you know what I mean? Like the way that we're packaging goods and services now and delivering just things like that to people, it's changing us genetically to the point where now our kids have a higher, higher prevalence of autism, which is like, how is there's, there's always a give and take here. I'm not going to ask you what you think the reason is because I don't even want to put that on there because we'll have to put allegedly on it. But I'm going to tell you what my <laughs> opinion is of the whole thing. It's that this is a setup. And I feel like the setup is one that we didn't make, but we're all living in it. You know, if you don't watch the food that you eat and you give to your child, the water that they drink right now in, in Queens, New York, where we live right now, there are 16 contaminants in my tap water that are at dangerous levels for adults, yet alone children, right? Now imagine how many parents who don't have water filters are just going there giving their children water from the tap or using that water to boil their tea or to make their bottles. And now the kids are ingesting these 16 toxins in their daily milk or in their whatever meal you're giving them. You're adding to the prevalence of their bodies having access to toxins that didn't exist in 2000 because they wasn't as polluted as it was now. Like we've got to look at all these things because I feel like they all play a role in the health of us and our kids. What do you think? Yes. So hmm. autism spectrum is a pool of a little bit of everything. Wow. So when somebody has autism, you do not know where they fall in that pool right. until you meet them, until you talk about them. So it's like when I tell people there are certain tests you can take um, to kind of see where you fall in that pool. Because mm -hmm. not a lot of people are nonverbal. They have different behavioral, cognitive delays, mm -hmm. occupational delays, physical. So it's like where are you on the spectrum? And it's just like, there's so many factors to what you just said that could be causing it. And everything is controversial. And some people be like, well, it didn't happen to me. So like, how is that conclusive? And because of that, what I do is I believe the parent. Whatever you think it is, you're right. What are we gonna do about it is the question. Mm. So I had some people believe that, hey, it was what my kids got um, injected into them, and um, that was what it caused. And these were doctors that told me that. And I was just like, oh, snap. Well, what am I supposed to do about it? They gave me medicine to detox what was put in them, um, and they told me to give that to my kids every day because it needed to take things out. So I was just like, okay. So my kids have been, like, young. I'm talking about three, four detoxing because that could have been it they could have had too many toxins blocking certain things in their brain that wasn't helping them learn and grow normally right so i tried it i tried a lot of natural like i herbalists naturopathic doctors medical doctors giving me different tools um on what my kids could consume to help their brain development Mm -hmm. I even took some of the stuff. I was like, yo, this is good for adults. Like, what? Mm -hmm. I'm taking lines, man. I'm taking fish oil. I'm like, this is great. I'm going to get me some. So right? I'm like, this is I'm more focused. So I'm just like, but is it the cure-all? There's no one answer to this autism spectrum, this pool. Right. But implementing things that make sense to where you are on the spectrum could help. They will help, especially natural things that you can't really overdose because they don't really have um, side effects. So it's like, you could definitely look into stuff. My doctors of certain doctors that I used to go to that I had to switch because they were too much and not on my side mm -hmm. um, when it came to fighting for my children, mm -hmm. um, they just threw it out. 
And I'm like, why are you throwing out these things? Like, I'm just asking you what's your thoughts on it. And you're just saying it's crap. But I'm like, it can't be crap. Right. So I just kind of waited and always found somebody who wanted to just have a conversation with me. Mm -hmm. Like, there are good doctors out there that actually want to help their patients. And there's some doctors that are just stuck in we are God, whatever we say is right. And they don't want to hear nothing else. So when you bring up something else, they don't want to just like even look at it with you. So I had the doctors that I go to, they'll be like, you know what? I don't even know about that, but let me write that down. And next time you come, I could, you know, do my research and we could come together and see, see what my mm -hmm. thoughts are. I like that. I want to right. have a relationship. So right. once doctors didn't want to have a relationship with me or therapist and, you know, we're fighting the same fight, right? Mm -hmm. I just left them. I was like, oh, deuces. <laughs> like, I'll switch insurance <laughs> and RP. I'll switch doctors, therapists. I'm like, deuces. I'm fighting yeah. for my children, children's independence. If you're not fighting with me, deuces. And that's what I um, also tell parents to empower them. Like, I don't care how long you've been going to the doctor. I was going to the same doctor with all five of my kids. Mm -hmm. Once we started having these little conflicts, deuces. Mm. I was just like, my relationship as a parent, I'm fighting for my kids. I do not care about those timelines and things like that. Right. So it's just like, that's one of the things that we have to do. Like, like these people, they're going home to a beautiful home. They're seeing you for one hour mm -hmm. and you see your kid for 24 hours, seven days a week. I believe you and whatever you think, I'm rather, I'd rather listen to the parent and tell the parent about like, let's find other people that's going to listen to you. But don't take that opinion as, as you know, as fact. As law, all. yeah. It's an opinion. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's what we it do is. that a lot too, man. So, we do yeah, that a lot. You get that a lot? We do that a lot as people. We take the opinions of others and make it seem as if it's our own. It's like when you accept that opinion, now it becomes real. And that's a life lesson. Like, don't, don't even think that's a, just for doctors. That's a life lesson. If someone says that you're a piece of SHIT and you take that opinion, then that's what you are. But if someone says that you're a piece of SHIT and you're like, yo, I'm a king. I'm a queen. I'm a god. If you say that back, their opinion is only theirs. <laughs> it's not your life. It's not your experience. And that, to me, there is power in what you believe. You know, I know you had a conversation earlier today, and you were like, "Yo, uh, I don't think it was. I don't know what flavor it was, but you were saying that this, this is just what was scaring you as a kid." <laughs> for me, it was like I, I honestly get sick once a year, like for maybe a day, and it's usually just like my body resetting. I don't even think it's a cold. It's just like my body resets, right? But throughout the year, I never get sick, and the reason why is because like. I don't, I don't believe in getting sick. Like it's not a thing unless someone brings something to me <laughs> and they cough in my face and they give me their virus and that's cool. But <laughs> naturally, like I don't eat in a way where I'm going to get sick. Why? Because in my head, I don't believe that I can be sick with little things like that. You've got to get me with something extravagant. It can't be no basic common flu cold, whatever. I'm not, no, not, no, you're not getting me with that. So I feel like whatever you believe in is going to be what happens. And I feel like being able to instill that belief in your kids as a father, like I, I'm young in the game, so I'm only 15 months in. You're you got five. When did you see that part where you were instilling that level of confidence in your kids? Like, what age did you really kind of tap into that, and how did that work for you as a dad? Because I mean, I understand like you're a confident person, but to be able to transition that into your children, I feel like that's got to be that's got to be work. So when did you start that work, and or did you start that work? <laughs> I was a scared father. Mm. I had my first child at 19 years old. Everybody told me um, I shouldn't have the baby. I had um, 
Well, he's not on here. My father. <laughs> he's not here. Gave, that, that, that. He's not here. <laughs> but he gave me the money to have an abortion. He was just like, you need to go back to school. You do not need to have a baby. I took that money, thought about it, paid my phone bill, and we went out to see a movie. Because he wasn't around enough to even notice until like, wait a minute. Like, by the time I saw him again, wait a minute. I saw my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, what's that? Like, you didn't do it? It's like, man. And then he was just like, listen. I am not going to help you. And my family was kind of like they weren't in support. They all told me that I screwed up. I'm going to be a statistic. And you just messed up your whole life. We, we sent you to school. You was in college. You did one year. And now you came back. And you got your girlfriend pregnant. And they just told me all these reasons why I would fail. Wow. And I even watched it on TV about people who have babies at this age in our community fail. And it was right. just like. Everybody was saying fail. And then it was interesting. So I have a baby and I'm looking. I don't know how to hold her. I don't know how oh. to do anything. But I'm just like, I, I got to figure it out um, because I don't want to fail and prove everybody right. Mm. So I was just like, I'm not going to prove them right. So I'm just going to start figuring this out. I was trying to read stuff, but parenting books kind of suck. It's just a different perspective. I'm like, there's no, no book that's going to help you. It's like, you got to figure this out yourself. Mm -hmm. But I was trying. But but then um, it was just like when I realized that you don't need to be perfect, it started helping. And I was just like, I, I wasn't doing things perfect, but I was just doing things. And other people that weren't my family would be on the outside looking in and was like, yo, you're doing pretty good. And I was like, for real? And then I started realizing that because of my fear of failing, mm -hmm. I just started doing more things as a father and just taking care of my daughters like i was doing their hair so my wife was working i'll come pick her up and then everybody would see my daughter come out looking like you know this beautiful they'll be like who did her hair who pushed it back who parted i'm like me like what the hell who's supposed to do it like can't better man than me brother i haven't i haven't put one braid in my daughter's head i think i parted her hair once or twice down the middle to the side i thought i was good about it but you better than me bro jesus louise i gotta learn yeah no but I had to do the little bubbles, um, bobos we called it. Mm -hmm. But it was just like, yo, I'm like, this is my daughter. It's a reflection of us. This is, mm -hmm. you know, when, people, when I look at people's kids, that's a reflection of you. So your kid better look phenomenal. Right. So it was just like I had my daughter. And then I guess because we were doing such a good job, um, the next year my wife got pregnant again. So we had our two kids, 19 and 20 years old. And then it was just two girls. And it was just like, figuring it out. And I was just like, I'm not going to fail. Cause now I was like, dang, the next kid came out so quick, but I'm not going to fail. And I don't want to prove everybody right. Um, because they all wished me to fail and told me I was going to fail. And even when my, my wife got pregnant the second time was still like, don't have the baby, put it up for adoption. You're not ready. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, shut the noise. Mm -hmm. And then what you call it? We did our own thing. And I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to fail. And then I realized, Quentin, you're doing pretty damn good. <laughs> like a couple years later, I'm like, hey, I got a decent job. We got our own place. We got our own car. And then even family members that gave up on us were just like, hey, um, you're doing pretty good, Quentin. Like, that, daughters are growing up nice and you're doing good. And it was all because I had that aspect. I didn't want to fail and I wanted to set that example. But then I always told my kids at the same time, like, you guys are growing up with us. They're raising us while we're raising them because we're all growing. I'm not the same man for each child that I had. I kept on growing. And 
I love that. I mm-hmm. love having grown-up conversations with our kids. I love. I tell them a lot. Like my parents sugarcoated everything to us, and we had to grow up as men, only brothers, and figure out life. Right. They would have been more open with us. We would have not hit certain challenges. So I don't want my kids to hit that. So a lot. Everything I learn, I'm implementing with them. So when it came to my daughters. Both. We lived in Far Rockaway right off the beach. Right. They both got bronchitis and it was bad. They were like coughing to the point we had to take them to the hospital. And um, they were massively young and they told us that they were going to have asthma. They gave us a nebulizer and for mm-hmm. a year we had to use the nebulizer when they were sleeping just to help them breathe better so they wouldn't be coughing. Right. I did not accept that. That was when my, I guess, I am dad mindset happened. I could not accept that my daughters were interrupting sleep and they could not like sleep well because of this bronchitis that would turn into asthma. I started doing research. I watched Netflix, Hunger for Change and Food Matters. And they just implemented like certain things that you might be eating might be affecting you. So I just said, hmm, I loved SpaghettiOs, (laughs) ramen noodles turkey meats. I loved all these little cold cuts. I'm just a college person mm-hmm. now coming home with the same stuff. Right. But I found out that those things could be affecting certain things that we were doing. We were drinking too much juice and soda and stuff like that and not water. So I changed my kid's whole diet. I figured H2O oxygens and water. So I just started giving them water whenever they want something to drink. Mm-hmm. And I started changing what they were eating. And then I um, started just implementing different things into our diet and focus on their inflammation of the bronchioles. Bronchitis, no cure. Asthma, no cure. But if it's inflammation in the bronchioles, there's a lot of things that could fight inflammation. Mm -hmm. So I started giving them vitamins and antioxidants and minerals to fight um, inflammation. Fast forward, two years later after that, the nebulizers collecting dust. My daughter and my daughters who were supposed to be diagnosed with asthma forever as a lifelong condition, they are now swimming, volleyball, tennis. They're doing a whole bunch of activities and they don't even remember that they used to have to put this thing over their face just to learn, just to breathe. And that's what started my journey when I realized that I just don't accept things easily. Mm -hmm. I don't mind if this is going to be forever, but I'm just not going to accept it without a fight. So I'm going to fight anything that comes into my household, any virus, any type of condition, any diagnosis that somebody gives me, I'm going to fight it because I know it's not like absolute. Mm -hmm. And I just have that mindset and that's just what it's going to be. So it's like that kind of helped with I'm dad was just like, listen, back to the drawing board. I'm not accepting this. What am I going to do to to fight this, to correct it and take them off the spectrum. And if I could do that, then that means I can help other people do it too. It doesn't have to be by myself. But uh, hmm. that's that's how it started, man. That's how it started. I just didn't want to fail. Did didn't not want to fail. Because pr- failing for me was not competing against other people. Other people were like, yo, they weren't doing what I was doing. So I already right. knew I was winning in my community right. for what I was doing at my age. But it was proving the people who told me I would fail wrong. And that meant a lot to me, being able to look at those people years later and be like, I'm uh-huh. still here, uh-huh. still thriving. Right. I got more kids <laughs> and we're still making it work. 
And if I would have listened to you and your limitation, I wouldn't be here right now. So now that was that was that. My Hold on. With that, I'm putting a pin right there. This book, put a pin right there, right? What you just said, and this is how crazy this is about the life that we live right now, right? Why is it that the biggest critics in your life are usually the ones that are closest to you, right? And they have the power to either strengthen your resolve or break you. And then you have to decide which of those two options you're going to accept. Because to me, it's like, you know how they always say you can never, you can never be a prophet in your own home? You've always got to go somewhere else to be a prophet. You can never, they say that because usually your own home is usually the hardest place to be a prophet in. Like you're just trying to navigate the minefield. You're not, you're just trying to survive. You're just trying to make sure that everything you're supposed to do, it gets done. Whereas outside, people don't know you. There's no minefield there. So you can create whatever environment you want, create your life, create whatever. But your story where, you know, you're getting advisement to say, hey, go get this abortion. You're getting advice to say, hey, you're going to fail. I'm not going to support you. And you guys literally had to just dig deep and say, you know what? We got no one but ourselves. I think that that opportunity, which is what I see that as, is one where you accept the challenge of that and you just make that your mission to say, hey, I may have done this in the beginning was fear, but then that fear turned into courage. That courage turned into my resolve. My resolve turned into who I am now. And I would never take any of it back. Like, those key things are sometimes the catalyst that we need to leap in faith, to have a leap of faith, to trust ourselves and to trust what you think is right and then follow it all the way to the end. Like if you think that there's a back door when it comes to some of those, those experiences, it's like there isn't. Like you have one choice to face it, whether you're afraid, whether you're not afraid, doesn't matter. It's here. Am I going to abort this child or am I going to keep it? Am I going to not have any more kids or have more kids? Like these are... And it's always the people closest to you that talk the nonsense. Like, it's, that's just a thing. That's just how it is. But in spite of that, who are you going to be? You know, yesterday's Kwanzaa thing was self-determination. Like, what do you define for yourself? What type of future do you want to have? And are you ready to define that for yourself? That concept to me is exactly what you had to do based on what you just said. Like, you had to define what fatherhood was to you. And you had to gain your confidence in the experience. When you look back, you're like, yo, I'm pretty damn good at this. Like that aha moment. How did that <laughs> feel when you literally stopped, thought about it, removed the fear and said, wait a minute. Reality is I'm doing pretty damn good at this. What the hell? Like, how did that feel? I just want to know how that felt because I, I, I like that. <laughs> Les Brown used to always say this quote. Um, you only get two things in life. In life. Reasons and results. Notice reasons don't count. <laughs> so my whole thing was <laughs> like, I read, when I heard that as a young man, I was just Finish. like, bro, Finish him. that's all that, all that matters is results. And then I was looking in my community. I worked at the post office for six years and there were a lot of gentlemen who also had kids that were telling me different things to do. But then it was just like they had kids with like different women and a lot of people had multiple kids, but they were all over the place and they knew they were just like, yeah, I don't know those kids or these kids hate me and this and that. I'm like, what? Like, like, is this reality? And that's reality. A lot of people, you know, they, it doesn't work out. Right. So I was just like, dang, I got to make not only this fatherhood thing work, but I got to make this relationship with my wife work because we were definitely, it was more 
realistic for us to break up, for us to mess up based on who we were. And like that, I always tell people who we were, if we stayed those people, we would definitely not be together. This would be some co-parenting, ugly mess up. Mm. It was because we both decided to grow, consistently grow, and we're still growing, that we're actually together and we're thriving and we built something strong. So it was just like setting up, you know, like like our expectations are just different and our relationship is different because we did not get stuck different places whenever we start to get stuck that's when fights and stuff are starting to happen and the, the miscommunication mm-hmm. and i was like oh snap what let's adjust let's stop pivot <laughs> see what's going on like evaluate and then we were able to go because we always knew that we only had each other so we had to make this work but it also took a lot of you know indirect support from different people in the community that would just give us little little pointers little stuff and be like mm-hmm. hey that's normal <laughs> and like don't worry you're not gonna always get along <laughs> right. stuff like that but you don't gotta go to sleep at night with that you could always adjust certain things so our relationship grew tremendously throughout these five children and all these years that we've been together from high school seniors to now like massively young adults it's just like we've been through it all <laughs> like, <laughs> right every stage so that is just <laughs> Yeah, like, and then now we have all the kids, and then our eldest is 17 years old and 16 years old, so the conversations are definitely much different, Mm because we don't know what's coming on the list, but there's a lot that's coming on the list, but I'm glad in some ways that we're young enough to kind of still compete with (laughs) with them, we're not too old, but um, I don't recommend everybody have kids at a young age, however, this is how we made it work for us, but um, like, I couldn't do it by myself. I tell my wife all the time, like, I sometimes I'm out there on the forefront, even when I am dad. However, she is still working massively in the background, nurturing, taking care of the home, so I can actually be out there handling business and helping other families and stuff, because that's just not where she fits. But when she does show up, she's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. She, you know, dropped the mic. She's gonna do what she has to do. Right. But it's just like at the same time, she's shy. Even though <laughs> she's fun, she's shy. She's I, shy. I don't even think she's shy. It's so weird. I'm like, I, I don't even see her as shy. She just seems like she's just like a very bubbly person. Like every time I talk to your wife, I'm like, you don't seem shy at all. Maybe that's just because we're family. That's how that works. Maybe she's shy with other people. That's how it is. That's how it is. That's how it is. Like, like, but this took years of you know Toastmasters of a lot of things to kind of push out that public speaking right. and that extra you know getting out there so you know it's been a lot of investing in my mind personal development to help me grow in those ways and then bring that home and be like hey honey look look at this oh the bring <laughs> it home part listen that is i'm gonna tell you something right now i never thought about like i i always like to learn myself and then that's it like i don't really share what i know because that's kind of part of like my entourage it's like i get to know things that other people don't know so i don't really share that but now that I'm married and I'm a dad and I have a wife, it's like, okay, I have to actually share these things now. So like, I'll come home and I'll learn something that's really cool. I'm like, hey, by the way, I remember the other day, I think I called my wife from work and I was looking up palm, palm, palm reading. I'm, don't ask me why, but I was. And I was looking up what the lines meant, what each line is, da, 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 da. And I'm just talking to her about palm reading. I'm like, I just thought it was cool, but I, I'm going to share this. This seems like something that some, someone that follows Zodiacs might like. And it's just like, I need to do that more often because I really don't. Like for me, I... My way of sharing, like you, you do Toastmaster, you bring back home. 
for me, it's like my Audible library is like, listen, let me tell you something. If you guys are not Audible and you want some good book review, my Audible is lit. So all I do is I give my wife the password. I'm like, hey, here's my Audible password. Go in and be loose. Enjoy. Like my library is extensive. So like that to me is one of the things that like I really think in a relationship is important too, is being able to share what you're learning. I think in the beginning of our marriage, when uh, my wife would do a lot of the research on baby food and like transitional periods and like learning points, like what, you know, the baby should be learning at this stage and what should be eating at that stage. And like literally cooking all the food for the baby. I'm like, yo, like I want to learn some of this. And so she's always sharing that with me. So I'm like, yo, that's what makes our relationship successful is when you know what your strengths are, you know what their strengths are, and you're both working towards bringing that stuff back into the house, no matter how, who brings, I don't care who learns it bring it back here so that we both can take part of it. And then boom, it all benefits the kids. Like that's the whole point of it. Right. So, did you, and you, I seem like you guys did something like that similar. Yeah, no, we do that with like, she doesn't read everything I read. She knows about certain stuff. She doesn't go to all the workshops I go to. Right. But I definitely bring her like one thing I used to do that it was, I noticed it was not working was <laughs> I was doing so much growth, um, personal development that I was just like, I got, I was going too far, too fast. Mm. So all of a sudden, you know, we're we're a young couple. We're just doing everything that's just like what we know. We're watching TV all day, watching movies, mm-hmm. you know, living paycheck to paycheck. We're just doing everything. Like, this is just the norm. This is how we know. Right. So all of a sudden, I started learning new strategies, new investments, reading books, learning all these different ways to think and all these things. And then I come home like, listen cut that off. <laughs> like, we're not doing this anymore. We're not doing this. Cut that off. <laughs> Throw that away. And it was just like, it was too much, too fast. And then I had to like reevaluate that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're not supposed to be fighting here, but you aren't doing what I'm doing. So you think I'm crazy and I'm just causing all this division. So what I had to do was realize that I can do all of this and I still got to realize where she's at. Right. And she's coming but like, do not expect her to be where where I'm at if I'm reading books and I'm networking more and I'm workshops and I'm doing all these things right. and she's doing it at her pace right. because it's just like, you know what? I figured out her strengths and we're going to focus on your strengths. You don't need to have my strengths. You don't need to read all the books I read. Whichever one stands out to you, then great. But it's like, I read too many books. So it's just like, you know, I do too many things to invest in my mind and stuff like that. And, you know, if I force it on her, then it's not going to be received well, yeah, and yeah. she's not going to take it. Mm-hmm. So it's like whatever she wants to do, she does it when she's ready, and she does it phenomenally. So it's like I love that, and she she knows what to do. So it's like you know sometimes she I gotta remind her <laughs> that she knows what to do. Like I tell her all the time, like you got this. I'm like stop. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't get. I didn't do this. Like this is not. Like this is our creation. So right. it's, um, she has been like a very, very, very important piece. And I keep reminding her this. So it was like, like she, like we wouldn't be this far if it wasn't for her, right. her strength, her, her courage. And she's been fighting too, because once she sees that, wait, we're fighting the doctor. Okay. She's ready. Mm-hmm. She's pulling up her sleeves. Yep. Like we're fighting the doctor. Put, put, taking, putting the gloves <laughs> on like, oh, we, we, we here. Yeah. <laughs> She, I love she it. was like, we fighting the principal at the school. We fighting the school. The DOE. All right. Let's Team. go. We're fighting the DOE now. She is ready. She just needs to get the word, and she's ready to fight. And she does she's not play when it comes to family and kids. 
and friends and um yeah so so that's that's pretty 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 cool i'm gonna ask you that answers the question oh that oh that's <laughs> overstanding that answered it 10 times over so here's my final question for you because we, we got we got four minutes so on the fatherhood part of this conversation we've been on we've been kind of dibble dabbling into everything which is great i appreciate you q i do so what three tips would you give expecting fathers regarding the process and what was the best part for you when it comes to thinking back about your entire fatherhood experience up until this point what has been the best part for you those are the two final thoughts i want you to have with the audience today so let's go back so you that was two questions two questions one has a three part the other one, one is a one, one part yeah, yeah so the three part is what three so tips what would the, you give expecting the, fathers regarding the process mm. three tips in two sections. Three tips. Yes, sir. Expecting fathers. So that's in the nine months? Oh, that's um uh, in the nine months or ones who are recent fathers, like maybe like, you know, folks who just had or kids or okay. you're about to have kids or, you know, they're not five in. They're, they're probably one and a half or half of, you know, 0.25 in, three months pregnant, whatever. The young, the okay. young, the young brothers. All right. One, got you. One thing that I learned was don't let the world raise your kids. Mm. Um, that was, I used to beat myself up because I wanted to take my kids to Disney World. And I kept not being able to because I kept having more kids. We were moving, different things hindered that. But my kids had so much fun going to the local park. They had so much fun doing things in the area because my kids cared more about just being together and having fun and once i detached the expectations of what i call the world and what other people are doing it kind of gave me peace of mind so run your own race at your own pace and know that no is this the right word no one cares you only have two things in life reasons and results reasons don't count they don't matter results do people just care about the results so at the end of the day fatherhood is about results about being an example to your children and at the end of the day that's all that's going to be remembered and that's all that's going to be focused on and paid attention to so it's like don't waste all your money on things that nobody cares about because you might think they do they don't they're going to care more about your children like i know some well-dressed children that are not on the spectrum that can't read at seven years old. I focus on those results. What did those parents not do to have that child so far behind when my kids are starting to read late before that and they were on the spectrum where they couldn't? Wow. So my whole thing is, <laughs> you know, but those, but those kids, they, they dress better than mine. I got mm. you. <laughs> mm. like, so, so that's what I would focus on. Focus on results. Um, and um, believe in your children, have high expectations for your children so nobody could take them away. So I believed in the highest expectation for my kids and I'm going to, you know, be there. And kids spell love, T-I-M-E. And if you provide the right amount of time to your children, they will love you and like remember you more than anything. So don't get too consumed with work and life and trying to travel and be everywhere else except with them. 
because that's what they're going to remember. But if you are, there's a, there's a two-part to that answer. If you are doing that, you better come back with results. If you're going to be a away father for like 12 hours a day or for five days a week or for weekend or whatever, you better be bringing them back massive results. Those children better be growing up in a beautiful home, going on excellent vacations and doing things phenomenally because of your investment. That's the only way that works. If I'm going away from doing things and my kids see the results of it, they're happy. But if I'm doing things and we're living in poverty and we're suffering and we're, then what's the point? Right. So that's another thing. It has to, it has to equal up. And then, so that's what I'm expecting fathers. I think that was like four things. You, you gave yeah. me like five things. I'm taking all of them though. I took them yeah, all. That's, that's, we took them all. So the second question was um second question is what was the best part of for you as of being a dad? Like what's the best part that you can think of being a father? Man. That's loaded too. Yeah, man. Just honestly, so we're creators. You know, we created these children. <laughs> like you know we did that man from one night of having fun like, like children were made and um seeing them grow to be independent has been the most fulfilling thing like seeing them make decisions like responsible decisions seeing them grow having conversations i've always my wife loves the baby stage, biting the cheeks and pinching the thighs. And I love the next step. I love like, oh, you're holding your bottle. When are you going to drink it from a cup? Oh, you're holding the cup. Great. Now you can feed yourself. It's like, I'm always into what's next. Like you can walk, like now you can run. You can run, you can ride a bike. I'm always into the next step. So seeing them grow and develop their independence. And now I have grown women as daughters i have my sons who are going to be grown independent men good men and that has been the most fulfilling so i'm just a proud father that you know it only gets better but enjoy all the steps of the journey as a father and just watch them blossom and just be a part of it i'm not going to miss anything of it miss any part of it and i'm just going to be here for it and just making the most of it and just just seeing them like uh, keep the expectations high but like man that mm. is just probably the best thing about fatherhood is like sometimes i gotta remind myself like i created that <laughs> like i did that oh, five. Like, that was that was me you like kobe bryant one two three four five <laughs> exactly it's like wow man we got a whole palm of kids so how many kids you got palm uh, nah. Just, just right there. Just starting five, starting five, that's and amazing. you know, and that's the result, man. So the more they do, is like, you know, it's gonna be a result. You know, they're gonna be like, hey, my parents allowed me to be the person I'm like becoming, because we we definitely support them and what they want to do. So yeah. I'm excited to what they become. You, my friend, has just and <laughs> you have just made my year, sir. I, I couldn't have thought of a better guest to have on to close out the Way Podcast final episode for 2021. Brother, father, entrepreneur, husband, all of the things, son, all the titles you got, uncle. Um, Q, 
I call you. I call you my brother. You already know. Appreciate you and I value, man. This has been an amazing conversation. And for those who don't know who Q is, please like and follow him. He is uh, the founder of I Am Dad. Uh, Defeating Autism Daily is a part of his mission. And I think, again, you know, we have to continue to fight the fight together. Because with community, that's what builds everything, is when we're fighting the same enemy together. <laughs> the, the, the division doesn't help us going where we're going. So, brother, thank you for fighting with me in 2021. I look forward to sharpening our blades for 2022, because it's only going to get sweeter and better. Um, I think this journey of fatherhood, I'm going to definitely learn and grow from you. And I hope that all the other fathers that are on the call that are listening, that maybe listen to this on their own, share this with all your other uh, new and expecting fathers, let them see the conversation, understand what we're talking about. And again, let's make this into something that is not just a 2021 end of the year conversation, but an everyday type of conversation for black men. Because again, we have to make sure that we're putting in content that's going to be useful for the rest of our community, but also for ourselves. You know, we're here to grow and learn as well. So my brother, any final words or thoughts for the people in 2021? Oh, he's, he's, he's texting. Frozen. Oh, you're good now. Oh, oh, you're good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's say now. Oh, is it better now? Yeah, it's good. Um, there's a lot of 2020. There's a lot of 20. Okay, it's good? Yeah. We're good? No, I was saying there's a lot of 2021 left. So that's how I'm going to end 2021, intentionally maximizing these last days to the most, to the fullest. Mm -hmm. I got a lot of stuff to do before New Year's. <laughs> so don't, don't put your feet up. Like, you we want still it. got a lot of 2021 left. All right, so all right, don't brother. Let, don't well, just sleep. well, listen, man, <laughs> I value you. I value your time. I value your thoughts, your mind, your spirit. Uh, I wish you all the best and the greatest for 2022. We're going to be building in 2022. I can only imagine yes, what this are. conversation will be like in 2023. But right now, we're going to worry about 2021, finishing off strong, like you said. Um, so, bro, exactly. love you, appreciate you, value you. And, again, you're my guy, man. <laughs> I will catch you. Love you too, bro. All right. Be all safe, right, too. Peace. All right, everybody, thank you for joining us on our final episode. That was The Mind Investor. Please follow him, like him, check his content out, support him, uh, support the channel. If you haven't, just go to my, click the link in bio. You'll see our, our stream yard. You'll see our YouTube channel. Click that, share that. The Way is a nonprofit in New York. We do a lot of things in finance, relationships, and philanthropy. This is what we do. Next year is going to be a big year. So, folks, thank you for being with us, rocking with us for another year. And trust and believe when I say next year is going to be even bigger and better, it will be bigger and better. So then, y'all, be good to each other, be safe, and I will catch you guys in 2022. Peace.